0: Welcome again. We continue our series on Dare to be a Daniel. In fact, we're wrapping it up today, and we are in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some of everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those lead many to righteousness like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on the bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, a time, and a half time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, What will be the outcome of all of this? He replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. May the Lord bless His word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're concluding our series on Dare to be a Daniel this morning as we are in the final chapter. And of course, this is the beginning of Thanksgiving week, so uh, I thought it was good to have a little Thanksgiving humor. Heard about this uh, true story of this mother who invited all kinds of people to Thanksgiving dinner, over 40, and uh, she was overwhelmed with that, with all the preparation. I can only imagine I have a hard enough time with two or three people. And uh, anyway, when it was all ready to be prepared, she had all these people around this big table, and she turned to her little daughter and asked her to say the blessing over Thanksgiving meal. Well, the little girl was overwhelmed in that moment, and she said, Mommy, I just don't know what to pray for. And the mother said, Well, honey, just pray Something that you heard your mother pray recently, and a little girl bowed her head and said, Dear Lord, why did I invite so many people to dinner? <laughs> well, I don't know how many people are coming to your Thanksgiving dinner, but it is a time of celebration and Thanksgiving. I hope you're giving thanks for this uh, series on Daniel about daring to be a Daniel. And with that, this final, this final. Sunday I want to think about being difference makers and I want to jump back to the beginning as many of you recall uh that this book that's short is one of the most action packed books in the Bible it's also a study in prayer and I think most of all in making a difference and that's the focus this morning on being difference makers. Well Nebuchadnezzar was uh the head of the Babylonian empire And back in the 600s, he swept with his armies down into Egypt, conquered the Egyptian armies, the Egyptian kingdom, then uh, swept northward and conquered the Assyrian kingdoms, and then he came into the Judean countryside, surrounded and besieged Jerusalem, the Judean countryside, and then took 10,000 of the best and brightest away to Babylon, to the capital of Babylon. And his strategy was really twofold. One was to keep the people back home at bay so there's no rebellion because they have the best and the brightest, these young people. And the second was to enculturate these young people, the best and brightest, with the, with the literature, the culture, the identity, and the values of Babylon and then send them back so that they would rule and really bring those people into that kind of culture of Babylon. And their first response of these best and brightest, as many as it would be, was to rebel. Uh, Was to foment and to stir up rebellion. But they received a letter from Jeremiah the prophet, a letter from back home. And we challenge all of us to be reminded that our letters aren't just cards, but sometimes they're letters and cards that can make a tremendous impact. And so Jeremiah the prophet challenges them to do four things, which he says is from God's Spirit. And I want to look at this this morning as we look in the back uh, and see how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did those four things and challenged us as people of God, as difference makers, to do those same four things. Now, those four things were to live and settle. In other words, to build relationships rather than stir rebellion, but to keep strong values, to be a blessing even to the people who were really their enemies, and number four, to trust God. So, the first thing was to live and settle. Their first response was definitely to stir up rebellion, and I mean some of that did that, but Jeremiah challenged them to build relationships. And you know, there's so much more sometimes to be gained from building relationships than stirring up rebellion, right? There's nothing about sometimes a valuable voice of dissent, but in long term impact, so many times building relationships can make all the difference. And because Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and some of the other people that were taken away into the captivity built relationships in a very respectful manner with a great deal of integrity. They were able to influence Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian empire as well as Cyrus the Great and the Persian empire. Now think about that for a moment. Had they left and just stayed back in the Judean countryside in Jerusalem, as powerful and as amazing as that city is, they would have never influenced two world kingdoms. Babylon, uh, biggest power at that time, the ancient ancient Near East had ever seen. And then Persia became the first global world empire in world history, and they were able to influence those two kingdoms it reminds me that sometimes you and I, we're focused so much on friendships in our family and our church family, which are really important to nurture us. But many times the biggest difference that we can make is outside of the church doors. My mother used to say, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, you know what I mean? But Jesus tells us to be salt and light in the world. So make friends and and realize that you can influence people. But here's the key, the second point that Jeremiah makes keep strong values. Your identity, your values that are trying to be enculturated into the culture around you. Instead, keep your values true. Have the true north in light that will guide your compass and you will be a light in the darkness. Now, for these young men, they stood true in in all the tests that they went through. First, it was in a tiny test and then built towards the bigger battle. The tiny test, first one was just diet. And many of us would say, well, that's just nothing significant. But they were offered the best of the king's table in a well-meaning way, but the meat and the wine had been offered to idols beforehand. And so Daniel very respectfully said, listen, we mean, we appreciate this, but we mean no resent here, but we'd like to follow our religious beliefs and not have the meat and wine that's offered to idols. And instead, just just have the vegetables off the king's table and water. And the steward said, okay. And Daniel said give us 10 days and see if we're not brighter, smarter, stronger, leaner than all the other people and in 10 days it was true they were better, wiser, leaner, stronger than all the others and so they're allowed to keep that diet. Well that built towards the bigger battles that were ahead. The first was a dream in which Daniel was challenged to not only give the meaning of the dream but the dream itself and the king threatened to kill all the wise people of the kingdom but Daniel asked for time to pray And then he gave the dream and the meaning, which really was an indictment of Nebuchadnezzar, this great, powerful king. And Daniel spoke words of truth to power in that moment. And Nebuchadnezzar heard that, and Daniel really encouraged him, (laughs) challenged him to humble himself and realize that God was the God of all that was. And he was willing to have that kind of courage. The next challenge was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king built this giant 90 foot tall idol, instead of being humble, (laughs) he was not. Uh, And he said, anyone that didn't bow down to that idol will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do that. And the king brought them before him and said, if you don't bow down to this idol, then you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. And these young people had the courage to stand up and say, oh king, no matter what we will not bow down to idol we will stand true our god is well able to deliver us but even if our god does not we will stand true to our faith and our beliefs wow a powerful testimony the king had the furnace heated up seven times hotter threw him in there And the heat burned off their shackles, and as the king looked in, he said he saw not just three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but a fourth, like the son of the gods. And so, somehow, God was present with them in a very real way. And it reminds us that God is faithful to be with us, even in the fiery trials of our life, whatever that might be. Maybe it's a health report. A doctor's report that is hard for us or or financial difficulties or loss of a loved one. Whatever the fiery furnace is for us, God is present with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they stood true, and then there is the lion's den. Cyrus the Great came in after Nebuchadnezzar was overthrown, even after Daniel had challenged him and his sons and his grandsons to be true. Cyrus the Great, or Darius the Great, also known as Bo, came through and he was welcomed by the people because the kingdom was so corrupt by the time Nebuchadnezzar's sons and grandsons were running the kingdom. And so Cyrus was welcomed by the people, but the junior leaders saw Daniel and were jealous of him and so they said the only thing we can decide among themselves is to find something wrong with Daniel's faith and so they went before the king and sort of tricked him into signing a law that said that anyone that prayed anyone other than the king for 30 days would be thrown into the lion's den. The king signed it. Daniel heard about it and he did the same thing that he always did which was to go to his room open the windows towards Jerusalem and to pray three times a day. of course he was convicted of doing exactly that the king did not want to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den but he realized that he'd signed a law for 30 days and so Daniel was thrown into the lion's den the king went home fearful that he'd be destroyed by the lions and prayed and Daniel I believe knelt his head down on a rock and slept peacefully because he knew that God had his life in his hands. The next morning, the first light of dawn, the king went to the lion's den, called down to Daniel and said, oh, Daniel, has your living God saved you? And Daniel called up to the king and said, "O oh, king, live forever. My God has saved me from the den of the lions because I was found true to his word. And it just reminds us that these young people were true to their values first. Many times when we do the right thing, it doesn't mean that things will always go our way. But in this case, many times when they did, God intervened in a dramatic and miraculous way. But the important thing for these young people at this time was they were true to their faith. And it reminds us when these young people went to Babylon, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were probably in their mid-teens when that happened. And yet they still stood true. And then as time goes on, and when this chapter, chapter 12, is happening. Daniel is into his 80s, 70 years has passed since he was a maybe a 15 or 16 year old and now he's 80 something and it reminds me that in every season of life whether we're a young teenager or even younger or we're an older person a senior person in the golden years of life that we do face challenge and difficulty but we also have the opportunity to be difference makers for God if we're just keep strong values. Well, the third thing was to be a blessing, and this was really a challenge. Jeremiah challenged these young people to pray for the shalom of Babylon, which means all the peace and prosperity, it's all sort of wrapped together in the word shalom, that God was going to bless them through these young people. Now, can you imagine that? Because these were their enemies. They had killed some of their family and friends, and they were there captive in this capital city of Babylon, and yet... Jeremiah was saying, God wants to touch old people through you, through you being a faithful witness, to shine bright and to be a blessing for them. And I want you to notice what the angel says here in chapter 12, and I hope it's something that you want to hear from the angel too. It says this, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Don't you want to shine like a star in the darkness? It reminds us of Jesus' challenge in the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be salt and light in the world, and not lights under a bushel, but light on a lampstand. That we can be lights in the world, and that's exactly what Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach and Abednego were doing. They were being lights in the world, and it's amazing that because of that being a blessing, they touched these kingdoms in powerful ways, not just with the truth, but realized that Nebuchadnezzar, after this fulfilling the prophecy where he's going to lose his mind if he didn't humble himself before God. After a year and three quarters, confessed God as, as Lord of the universe and had a faith moment that is powerful. Later, after he died and his sons and grandsons who were evil and wicked and were parting instead of praying, and Cyrus the Great swept in, people actually opened the gates from the inside, the gates of Ishtar, which are right there, which, by the way, have lions on them to this day. Uh, Open the gates and welcome Cyrus, not as a conqueror, but as a deliverer. That's how corrupt things were at that time. And Cyrus was tricked, but because of Daniel's testimony, his willingness to stand firm, he was a blessing to Cyrus, and Cyrus' life was changed to the point that Cyrus sends out a decree to the entire kingdom, which would have been the known world at that time even greater than the Near East of today. Wow. They were a blessing, and they touched people's lives. You know, if they were still back in the Judean countryside, Babylon, the kingdom, wouldn't have had the light there. The Persian kingdom wouldn't have the light because of God's word and because of these young people standing true and Daniel later on in life as well. And I wonder in our own lives, how are we at being a blessing? And this is, of course, the beginning of the week of Thanksgiving, and we think about being thankful, and uh, it reminds me that Charles Dickens said that we Americans had it all wrong. (laughs) He said, instead of thanking God one day of year and complaining the other 364, we ought to just complain one day of the year and thank God the other 364. Well, of course, it was irony from the Brits, but anyway... uh, (laughs) It is supposed to be a life of thankfulness and it's nice to have a day of thanksgiving, but it's about being a blessing. You know, our forefathers and foremothers came here to be a shining light and to have freedom of worship. And uh, sometimes they live better lives than at other times. We all fall short at sometimes. But you know that beautiful chapter where they invite the Native Americans to their dinner table for Thanksgiving. is so beautiful. The Native Americans had helped them. They'd gone through that first winter in a season where uh, 40-some people died that first year because of lack of food, because of the winter, because of influenza and other things. And, of course, the Native Americans helped them with uh, planting corn and using fish as fertilizer. But that first Thanksgiving dinner, when they welcomed the Native American friends, Forty-some Native Americans came to that first Thanksgiving as if for the same number who had died, they had welcomed Native Americans to their dinner table to be a blessing, as they were a blessing to them. In our own lives, many times, we don't always find ourselves in a season of Thanksgiving, but we all have something to be thankful for. But the greatest testimony many times is when we're thankful when things aren't easy to be thankful for that first song that we just sang, that first hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. I don't know if that's one of your favorite Thanksgiving hymns, but it is mine. And we always sing it because I choose it. (laughs) Thanksgiving. But it's written by Martin Rinkhart in 1636. And Martin Rinkhart lived in the city of Islandburg, a small city. And in the 1600s, in the early 1600s, It was the center of these armies crisscrossing Europe through the Thirty Years' War. So named because it lasted 30-some years, which is a long time to have war. They devastated, pillaged uh, this village, and Martin Rinkhart was a pastor. Uh, He many times went to the armies and negotiated. Uh, The final army that came demanded 40,000 thalers, which was a lot of money. And Reverend Rinkhart went out to the outskirts of the city, negotiated them down to 2,000 tailors, and paid it himself with his entire life savings. During the course of that time and the time that followed, so after the Thirty Years' War became, came into the bubonic plague, which was every bit as bad, if not worse, than the Thirty Years' War, Martin Rinkhart did several funerals a day. In the course of that time, he did more than 4,600 funerals, one of which was his wife. And yet, and yet, he would write the words to this hymn. Now thank we all, our God, with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things have done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms have blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. O may this bounteous God through all our life be near us, with ever-joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, and keep us in God's grace, and guide us when perplexed, and free us from all ills in this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God, who reigns in highest heaven, to Father and to Son, and spirit now be given, the one eternal God, whom heaven and earth adore, the God who was and is, and shall be evermore. Amen. It isn't always because we're overflowing with blessings that we give thanks. We all have thanks to give whatever circumstances we're in, but sometimes our light shines brightest in the darkest night. And sometimes as we give praise to God, our life just begins to overflow because we all have things to give thanks for, to be a blessing. And finally, the fourth thing is to trust God. Jeremiah gave him that promise, and it's such a powerful one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Promise not just to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but to us as well. Jeremiah promised that if they were faithful for 70 years, that God would bring them back to Jerusalem and the temple would be rebuilt. And because of their faithfulness, Daniel was able to plead before Cyrus the Great, along with Nehemiah, uh, the great prophet. And Cyrus enacted a tax, allowed the people to go home and help rebuild the temple, the second temple of Jerusalem, because of that great witness. Well, it isn't because things always go our way. Sometimes God's plan and purposes are beyond our life and our scope. As this angel tells Daniel, who wants to know what so many people want to know, when is the end of days, (laughs) right? And what does the angel say? Shine on. (laughs) Shine on like the stars. Be bright, for that day is only in the hands of the Ancient of Days, our Maker and Creator. Friends, we are here for just a season, but we're here for a season to make a difference. However short or however long that is, God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And God has the power to see us through. And God has ordained that whatever we go through, sometimes it's in the challenges and adversity and darkness that we shine brightest and we have the most impact on other people. I challenge us to be faithful, just like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, whether we're young teenagers, whether we're 80-some years old or older, or anywhere in between, that God wants us to truly to live and settle, to build relationships. And then God wants us to keep strong values so that we can be a light in the night, even as Jesus challenged us and the angel challenged Daniel in those words. But we also need to be a blessing in all those things and realize that we're a blessing and we pray for those who aren't just like us, but people all around the world because God wants to do work for all people in all places if we are faithful and shine bright. And finally, come what may to trust God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Daniel was a difference maker in all of his world and he stood true and i want to just close with this thought because maybe he inspired paul the apostle as paul too was a difference maker and spoke to caesar and paul writes to timothy in the closing chapter of his life in the last book that he would ever read as he's waiting to go and give his testimony before caesar as he stood true in all things and really was all those four things he gives timothy this commission as he's going to be faithful give his testimony and really become a martyr and give his life for the christian faith he challenges Timothy and says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. I fought the good fight. I finished the rate. I kept the faith. And now there is in store for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award for me on that day. I pray that myself and all of you would pick up the challenge of Jeremiah, even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel did, and that we too We'll live and settle and build relationships. We'll keep strong values. We'll be a blessing to others, even outside of our faith group and our family. And we would trust God in all things because God is faithful and God has the power to see us through. Amen? Amen. We would join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is a light for a path and a lamp for our pathway. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to follow your word, to pick up your challenge, and to know that in all things that you are faithful for us and that we have the opportunity, like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, to be lights in the darkness. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen.